What's up, Barefoot Church? Come on, somebody. I said, what's up, Barefoot Church? Anybody excited to be in the house today? I said, anybody excited to be in the house today? Man, it's so good to be back with you. It seems like it's been three years since Pastor Clay asked me to speak. I'm like, you know, maybe he didn't like what I said last time. But I'm so glad to be back with you. I'm praying that God does something amazing today. I love your pastor and his wife. They're just amazing friends, amazing people, and uh, they have an incredible love for you. I hope that you'll do everything that you can to support them, to love them, to honor them. Amen? Because God honors those who honors others, and I, I, I encourage you to do that. And it's so, like I said, incredible to be in this house. Would you repeat after me? Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords of my life. The only way to get to God is through him. I will obey. Absolutely positively stinking everything he asked me to do. Jesus is, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Anybody believe that today? Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Well, today I want to talk to you about the concept of being settled. In, in my church, Fresh Start Church, I'll, I'll usually say if you're taking notes, and our people say, and you should too. So let's try that. If you're taking notes, uh, you can do better than that. If you're taking notes, and you should too. So if I say that during the message, if you're taking notes, and you should too, even if you're not, I want you to put this down somewhere. I want you to put the word settled. I want to talk about what it what it's like to, to be settled. Because I, I really believe this. I believe that God brought me here today not to be a pastor to speak at you, but to speak over you and to speak into you because God does not want us to be settled. God doesn't want us to stay where we're at. God has something better for every single one of us. Amen? The Bible says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now go walk in them. And I'm always the kind of person that no matter where I'm at, I can be somewhere greater for God. Amen? And here's what I've learned, that if you're not careful, if you're not careful, the enemy is so good, he can subtly get you settled instead of stirred. God wants this church to be stirred. Thirteen years ago, you planted this church, and you're no longer a, a, a church plant, you're now an established church. And what happens sometimes, when, when it's a church plant, everything's exciting, you know? It's a church plant, it's, you know, Barefoot Church, what a cool name is that? That's why I came here the first time when I was visiting Myrtle Beach, just because of the name Barefoot Church. Never met your pastor, I met him that day, and we've been friends ever since. There's times, isn't it true, where it seems like, hey, our church is the sexy church, it's where everybody wants to come, we're, we're the new church on the block, and all that stuff, but 13 years later, if you're not careful, you can become the settled church. And I believe that God sent me here to hopefully speak into this church. My message is actually born out of a conversation that I had with your pastor and just listening to his heart for what God wants to do in this church, in this community. And so I hope that you'll lean in today because so many people are stopping short and settling for less than what God has intended for their destiny. I don't want to stop short. I don't want to settle for less. So look at your neighbor and say, don't stay settled. You know, one thing I've learned is that, that being settled is a daily challenge. It's a daily challenge. If I'm not careful, I can get settled. 
As much as I don't want to get settled, I can get settled. And sometimes it happens because of fear. Anybody ever have fear keep you from moving forward? Sometimes it's because of unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We can't allow fear and unbelief to be the thing that holds us back. Because here's what you need to know. God does not want us to be mediocre. I don't even like that word. It makes me want to put my finger in my throat. Mediocre. It just doesn't even sound good. Anybody here want to be mediocre? Heck no. I, I don't want to be average. Anybody want to be average? And here's what I've learned. Somebody said this about average. They said, average is simply the best of the poorest and the poorest of the best. See, we are the people of God. Amen. We are better than that. We are the church of God. We are better than that. We are warriors. We are better than that. God made us to be better than mediocre. God made us to be better than average. We are champions. Amen. And so God called me here to speak into you because God has great things and God needs to get some people that are settled, stirred. Amen. I might just preach today, so you better watch out. We don't have a service after this one till six o'clock tonight. So Pastor Clay, I figured the only way to get everybody here at six o'clock tonight, if I just keep preaching till then. get in my way. (laughs) Understand this. Every single time or every step forward, we will be introduced with another reason to settle. Because you have an enemy. Because I have an enemy. You come to church, you get fired up. I'm not going to settle this week. I'm telling you, as soon as you walk out the door, he's going to give you a reason to settle. He's going to bring something in your life that's going to cause you to want to settle. He's going to remind you of your past, which, by the way, is only in your mind. But he's going to remind you of your past, and it's going to cause you to want to settle. Every single time you take a step forward, you have an enemy that's going to introduce to you a new reason why you should settle. If you're taking notes, oh, see, you weren't ready for it. If you're taking notes, even if you're not, write this down. Settled is to fix the condition of your residence. And I'm not talking about your home. I'm talking about your heart. It is to fix the condition of your heart, to stay put, to stay comfortable. Settled is this, being okay with living below the level of God's best for your life. We don't do it intentionally. We would never say it out loud because it sounds so bad. But we can get settled and live below what God has for us. Amen? Anybody ever live below what God has for you? We're in church, so you don't have to lie. I have. I got my hand up. There's times when I've not reached the heights that God has called me to reach. You know, I've learned there are some things that settled people say. One of those things is, let's just keep things the way they are. Anybody ever heard that one? Let's just keep it the way it is, you know. It's just going to take too much work to to do something else. So let's just keep it the way it is. Let's let's not rock the boat. Not make it more difficult than it has to be. Another thing that settled people say is, we've always done it that way. Well, I need to inform some people sometimes. You've always done it that way, and it hasn't worked. It's not working right now. It's not going to work in the future because the definition of insanity is to keep doing things the way you're doing, even though things aren't changing. Just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean you need to keep doing it that way. Another thing that, that settled people say is, why? Why? That's okay if it's a four-year-old or a five-year-old. Anybody have one of those? We just uh, had our first two grandchildren this year. One's... 10 months old, the other one's 13 months old. We're not at that point yet. But I'm thinking, anybody have have grandchildren? I'm like, why didn't I start with them? 
they're the best. Like, if I could have just skipped the kids and had the grandkids, it would have been amazing. But I'm looking forward to that day where they come to me like, hey, hey, and my, my, my grandfather's name is Boompa, hashtag Boompa. I like that, hashtag Boompa. And, and I'm looking forward to that day when they come to me, hey, hey, Boompa, why this, why that, why this, why that? Because I know they're asking questions to learn. But if we take that into adulthood, we can become questioning. We can question others, question God, why, why? Instead, we need to ask what? Another thing that settled people say is, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Isn't it crazy that we want to make ourselves feel better? We look for somebody that's average or below average, and we measure ourselves to that person because it's easy to measure up to mediocre. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. That's why we should always measure ourselves to Christ. I've heard settled people say this, that's just the way that it is. It is what it is. But it doesn't have to be that way. I've heard settled people say this. I'm just doing what I was told to do. I'm just doing. I like to have people that Clay, Pastor Clay, do, do what they're told to do. But I also like people with initiative. I like people who understand that, yeah, here's what you're told to do, but you can do so much with that. You, I, I like to show up on a weekend and my team does something that blows me away that I didn't even know was happening because they had some initiative. They didn't wait for Pastor Jim to tell them to do that. Amen. Settled people use the excuse of, I'm just doing what I've been told to do. Settled people say, I'll take care of that tomorrow. Settled people say, let's just stay right here because the giants out ahead are way too big to deal with. See, we, we have an enemy that would love nothing more than to keep us settled instead of allowing us to be stirred. But I'm praying that God's going to stir somebody here at Barefoot Church. I'm praying God's going to raise some people up that's going to spark a fire, that's going to change this community for Jesus Christ. Because here, I know we got a lot going on, everybody has a lot going on, but the truth of the matter is, the only thing that really matters is Jesus, amen? That we point people to Jesus. It's always Jesus. It will never stop being Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is our everything. Amen. He is the one who gives life. He is the light of the world. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Our friends need to hear about Jesus. 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 They don't need to hear about our house. They need to hear about his house because it's about Jesus. Amen. See, when we settle, we stop talking about Jesus. The only person that can change a life is Jesus. I can't change your life. I can just preach about it, but I can't change your life. Only Jesus can change your life, embracing Jesus, because it's always going to be Jesus. Amen? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I don't know if you're picking up on this. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. We can talk about a lot of things. We can focus on a lot of things, but the most important thing we can do is to focus on Jesus and point people to Jesus. This church isn't here to have two services on a weekend and a Sunday night, which apparently not everybody knows that you have. But I hope they will tonight. I hope it'll be packed tonight. Amen? Because it's about Jesus, not the beach. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. I might just say that the rest of my message. About Jesus. Maybe we'll get it. It's about Jesus. Because I'll tell you, whenever I'm settled, it's the name of Jesus that stirs me up. Singing about Jesus, talking about Jesus, hearing about Jesus, reading about Jesus, because it's Jesus. Amen? Amen? Jesus is the one who can change my life. I don't want to be settled. Look at your name and say, I don't want to be settled. See, being settled, being settled doesn't raise the bar. Being settled lowers the bar. 
Being settled lowers your determination. It lowers your standards. It lowers your expectations. It lowers your morals. It lowers your thinking. It lowers your reverence for God. It lowers the power of God in your life. And it lowers your influence. It does nothing to strengthen your life. And it's settledness that is robbing God's church of the power and the passion that it needs to fulfill Christ's mission. You know what Christ's mission is? He said it. Follow me. I will make you. Anybody know? Fish for people. That's got to be the simplest thing that the church has made difficult. Follow me. Just get on the road with Jesus. Amen. Start following Jesus. He will remake you into what he needs to make you. And when he does that, you'll become a fisher of people. So you can reach people who will follow Jesus so he can remake them so they can do what? They can fish for people. That's the mission. But see, we have an enemy that wants to get us off that focus. and wants to get us settled. Because when we're settled... We don't talk about the mission. We don't think about the mission. We don't live for the mission. We're not accomplishing the mission. But that's not why God has put Barefoot Church here in Myrtle Beach. Amen? Amen? That was a little scary because I don't have three people that agree with that. God put us here to make a difference. That difference comes through Jesus. Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, it's Jesus. You can do better than that. Look at your neighbor and say, it's Jesus. There are three reasons why people stay settled if you're taking notes. Even if you're not, write this down. Number one, people stay settled when they get sentimental. Well, you know, 15 years ago when I first started coming to this church, we, we were doing that song. I don't know why we don't do that song anymore. Because it was 15 years ago. That song just doesn't sound that good anymore. The reason it sounds good to you because it's what reached you in that season of your life. But here's what you need to know. There was someone who was reached six months ago that was reached by a song that was written today. And six years from now, there'll be somebody who's reached by a song that, is, that was written then. And if we're not careful, we can turn inward in the church. We can get very selfish because we get sentimental about the things that we want and we desire. But one thing I can tell you about this church, the mission will never change, the message will never change, but I'm telling you, this dude will change every method on the planet to reach people for Jesus, amen? amen. Those things sometimes change. Don't, don't get sentimental over a program. Don't get sentimental over a song. Just don't do that. But stay true to your principles when it comes to the word and the mission. You know, I, I remember 19 years ago when I came to Fresh Start, I walked into a very conservative church. We had white pews, and on the end of the pews, there were these, um, there was these tags on them with the names of people who had donated the pews. One of them was the previous pastor who had fallen morally. And my thought was, I can't leave his name on the end of that pew. And so I decided if I take one off, i got to take all of them off. I'm telling you what, when people showed up and they didn't see their name on the end of the pew that they helped donate for, you'd have thought I killed somebody. They, they were angry. I mean, they, they were just like spitting fire. And I thought to myself, you're, you're more concerned about your name being on the end of the pew than whether or not you are inviting people who are far from God to sit in that pew to hear about Jesus. See, that's what happens when we get settled. We get stuck in our sentimentality. Number two, this is a really good one. Say, this is really good. No, it is, honestly. Number two, people stay settled in the place of their last wound. Some of you still stuck in your last hurt. You're living in the land of hurt. You're picking the scab, which my mom always told me, don't pick the scabs, it'll 
cause it not to heal. And it'll leave the scars bigger. Some of you still picking at the scab of your last wound. Some of you still living in the land of that last wound. Some of you still hurting from that last wound. Some, some of you still stuck and settled in that last wound. You're not being able to serve the way God designed you to serve because you're still hurting. And you won't allow yourself to get beyond that hurt. You won't trust that there's a God who can heal your heart. And so you're stuck in the place, settled in the place of that last wound, just sitting there. You know, I learned this a long time ago, and I wish I had more time to talk about this, but every wound is a relational wound. Whether, whether it's a, a wound that caused us to have a, a hindered relationship with God or whether it's a wound that's affecting our relationship with people. But every wound is a relational wound. Number three, people stay settled in the place of their comfort. See, we want comfort. Let's be honest. Many of us, we want peace, but we think we get that peace through comfort. We think as long as we find ease, it'll be okay. But I, but I found this. In times that I've looked for comfort, And maybe I found a little comfort, it didn't give me peace. There's a big difference between ease and peace. What God can give us is peace. And here's what I've learned. Some of the greatest times of peace in my life have been some of the craziest times in my life. It's been the times when I'm not sure what's ahead. It's the times where I've had to trust God. It's the time where I had to just kind of walk with him and let him lead me. And the reason that I have peace in those times is because I trusted him when I could not see what was ahead. But sometimes we get settled because we want to avoid. We think that the, the concept is no risk, no pain. How many of you learned that's just not true? If I don't take any risk, then I just won't have any pain. That, it doesn't work that way. Because I look at the other way, no pain, no gain. There's been times when I try to avoid risk, and trying to avoid risk caused some of the greatest pain in my life. But see, when we get settled, we try to avoid pain. We try to avoid things that will take away from our comfort. See, it's okay to settle your principles and priorities in the Word of God, but it's never okay to settle on your posterior. I was reading a story about a a lady who would not leave her bathroom for two years. Two years. She ate there. She slept there. She did other things there. But she wouldn't leave for two years. If her boyfriend wanted to talk to her, he had to go in there. He had to bring her food there. She Everything. She would not leave the bathroom. The story goes, the last month uh, of her time in the bathroom, she would not leave the seat of the toilet. Until one day, she was lethargic and her boyfriend was scared. And so he called the paramedics. And when they showed up and tried to remove her from the seat, her skin had actually attached to the seat. Why? Because she, came, she became what? Settled. See, you thought the picking of the scabs was bad, right? She was settled. You say, Pastor, why would you share such a a gross story? Because I wonder sometimes when God is looking down on us and he has created us for something greater, that he sees us just like a person that sticks in the bathroom for two years and has gotten settled in their mess, settled in their junk, settled in the stuff he never designed for them, rather than walking and living in what he's called us to. I don't think it looks pretty to God. But see, I don't believe this is a church that wants to be settled. I believe that Barefoot Church wants to be stirred. Amen? Amen. Anybody want to be stirred? Say amen. Amen. See, settling is a choice that you don't have to make. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel spent a lot of time settled. 
They struggle with the whole idea of, of being settled. Back at the end of Genesis, into the first chapters of, of Exodus, you hear the story of, of, of how they went from where the land they were into Egypt, and they settled in Egypt. It's only supposed to really be for seven years because of a famine, but they ended up being settled there for 400 years and turned into the slaves of the Egyptians. Why? Because they chose to be settled. It started out, let's just stay here because it's comfortable, but it ended up as something that they cried out to God to free them from. And then, and then God sent them a deliverer and delivered them from that. But here's what I've learned. The longer I stayed settled, the more difficult it is for me to move. The, the more that God has to break up the, the sediment of my heart. Because the longer I stay settled, the more I stay average, the more I stay mediocre, the roots of that grow deeper and deeper and deeper. Children of Israel went into the wilderness, and they were ready to go to the promised land. God said, hey, send out some spies. They sent out some spies. Very early in the journey that took 40 years should have maybe taken 11 months. They sent out 10, 12 spies. When they came back, two of those spies said, let's do it. Let's go, Joshua and Caleb. Ten of those spies convinced everybody else that it was too big a deal. There's too many giants in the land for us to go. They couldn't trust what God had put before them. And so it took another 39 years for them to get to that place, to go into the promised land. Why? Because they settled. They settled. Some of us here today aren't where we're supposed to be because we're still in the land settled where we're not supposed to be, where God has not caused us to be. See, settling will cause you to forfeit your future rights and God's blessing and inheritance. At the end of the 40 years that children of Israel... We're at the Jordan, getting ready to finally cross over into the promised land. Had to be an exciting time, finally getting ready to trust God, finally getting out of their settledness, finally taking a risk to walk into the land that God had given. There was 12 tribes that were getting ready to go over and take their inheritance, their piece of the land. But right before they went over, two of those tribes approached Moses about the land that they were currently in on the other side of the Jordan because they had gotten comfortable in that land and decided they didn't want to go over to the promised land. They thought this was a good land. They didn't understand that there was a God land that was better for them. And listen to the story. It says, Numbers 32.1. It says, The Reubenites and the Gadites, who had very large herds and flocks, saw that the lands of Jazer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. And so they came to Moses and Eliezer, the priest, and to the leaders of the community and said, verse number three, a bunch of crazy names. Let's say those all together. Go, go ahead. Adaroth. This is great. Nemo. Finding Nemo, beyond <laughs> all those names. Verse four it says, "In the land the Lord is to do before the people of Israel are suitable for livestock." This, you know what, Moses? I, I know there's a promised land, but this land's done pretty good for us. It says, "In your servants, your livestock." Verse five says, "If we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession." Then watch this phrase: "Do not make us cross the Jordan." You know what the Jordan represent? The Jordan represented stepping into your destiny. Do, do not make us step into our destiny. We're okay being settled here. Do not make us cross over and go into that land. We want to stay settled here. We've been here a while. This land is good. We think it would be great for our people. And, and for, in their mind, how in the world would they have ever thought that that would grant favor from Moses? 
And so Moses was a little bit upset, and he had, you know, some, some thoughts about it. Number one, he thought to himself, I know if they stay here, then we weren't going to have many, as many people to help us fight the battle to take the land that we need in the promised land. He knew that his troops would be depleted. Number two, he knew, not only that, but he knew that, that the, the behavior of Gad and Reuben could affect and infect other tribes. As a matter of fact, it did, because half of the tribe of Manasseh decided to take land on the other side of the Jordan instead of going into the promised land. But thirdly, and most importantly, I believe, as he, as he looked at it, he feared that they would repeat the sins of their past. That they would repeat the sins of the 12 spies. That they could affect everybody from going over to the promised land. And so, as he talked to them, he got them, interestingly enough, he got them to promise to go in to the promised land and fight and then go back to where their people were. Now, I was thinking about that to myself. So, in, in, in 1407 B.C., that was a long time ago, 1407 B.C., the tribes of Reuben and Gad come to Moses and tell him that they want this land, not the land that God had given them in the promised land. And so, in 1406 B.C. to 1399 B.C., they go to fight in the land. And they go alongside the rest of the 12 tribes and fight. But I contend this, they weren't fighting for the same land. And they weren't fighting the same way because when it was over, they were going to go back to the land that they chose to settle in, not the land that God chose to put them in. So they may have fought the battle. They may have been obedient, but their heart wasn't in it. Because here's what I know. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. That's what your heart is going to chase after. And so I got to believe there were probably times in the battle that everybody else was all in and they were 75% in. And what, what's, what's amazing about this story is that they, they agreed to serve, but they also went back to the promised land. Now, on their way back, on their way back, they decided to build an altar on the, the, uh, the side of the Jordan before they crossed over, on the side where the promised land was. And they called that altar witness because in their mind, they were worried that future gener- generations would forget that they were part of the nation of Israel because they chose to settle on the other side of the land, because they chose to live on the fringe instead of the fray, because they chose to walk away from the center of God's will and live settled on the other side of Jordan. Because too many Christians, too many believers believe that they can live on the other side of the Jordan and not be in the center of God's will and still have the favor of God and the protection of God and the blessing of God. But it doesn't work like that. If you want the favor of God and the protection of God and the blessing of God, the greatest place to find that is in the center of God's will. But they didn't want anybody to forget who they were. So they built this altar, and I'm thinking to myself, if you didn't want anybody to question your citizenship, you should have never settled in the other side of the Jordan in the first place. The only reason anybody's going to question your heart and question your citizenship is because you chose not to live in God's will. Now here's an interesting fact. Years go on, and the enemies, the Assyrians, come after Israel. Guess who got hit first? The tribes of Reuben and Gad. Why? Because they chose to live on the other side of the Jordan, where the Jordan protected the rest of the tribes. They chose to live in a place where they could easily be attacked. See, they're thinking somehow we'll still have the blessing and the favor of God, but we're going to live on the other side. It doesn't work that way. Look at your neighbor and say, it doesn't work that way. 
See, they weren't living in the right place, and therefore they weren't going to inherit the right possessions. You know, so often people get settled in the place where they're supposed to walk through and miss out on the place where God is taking them to. What's really interesting, you remember in in the New Testament when um, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was? Anybody remember the greatest commandment? That you should what? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and all your strength. Love God with everything. Did you know that the first mention of loving God in the Bible is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6? It would have been early 1406 B.C. that Moses quoted that scripture. Late 1407, because it goes backwards in the B.C.s. Late 1407, Reuben and Gad came to Moses and said, we don't want to go into that land, don't make us go there. Early 1406, Moses gathers all the tribes of Israel, including them, and reminds them to love God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that he made those two tribes sit there who had divided loyalties and listened to the command of God to love him with everything. That means walking in his will. So they go and fight, and on their way back, Joshua... Now, 1399, Joshua calls the leaders of the tribe of Reuben and Gad before he sends them back across the Jordan, thanks them for fighting. You you honored that. He said, now these 10 tribes are going to stay on this side and find their rest. You go home. He didn't say you're going to find your rest. He said, they'll find their rest. You go home. And then he says something amazing, which is why I think it all ties in. He says, don't forget to love God with everything. That's the context of the greatest commandment is in that story. In that story of those who chose not to follow the will of God. See, when, when you have a heart for God and you love God, you trust God. They didn't trust God with the promised land. They wanted to trust in themselves. And I believe God sent me here from, from Jersey to encourage somebody to not be settled, to encourage somebody to love God and to love people, amen? To care about people, to to love the church because this is his church. And so if we love God, we love his church and we accomplish the will of his church and the mission of his church and we serve. And I came here because I'm praying that, that someone will get stirred up and it will ignite a fire in this ministry and it will take you another 13 years beyond where you ever thought you could be in the first 13. Because God does not want us to be settled. Don't be settled, amen? Don't be settled. We, we, we have the best message ever. It's Jesus, Amen. It's Jesus. He loves you more than anything. He loves this world. He's Jesus. And I want to encourage you. That's what it's always been about. That's what it'll always be about. That's the only message that you can speak into people's lives that will ignite them, that will fire them up, that will change their life. If you have a family member that's far from God, speak Jesus. If you know somebody who's struggling with addictions, the only one who can get them off it is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And as long as Barefoot Church makes it about Jesus, he'll not allow you to be settled. Amen? Amen. Let's not settle in this land when God has greater places to take us. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Heads bowed and eyes closed. 
If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, don't allow yourself to stay settled there. That's, that's what you call being settled in your sin. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to die on a cross to pay the price for our sin so that we didn't have to stay settled there, so we can have life and so we could have it abundantly. And if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, what better day than today? Why not make this your best day ever, amen? By putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And so if that's you today, if you need to follow Jesus, if you need to give him your life, if you've been trying it your way for too long, but you're done being settled in that, and you want to experience what it's like to be connected to your creator, would you pray this? Say, God, I know that I've sinned. And God, I know that that sin separates me from you because you're a holy God. And God, right here, right now in this place, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, today I put my faith and trust in the fact that you sent your son Jesus that he died on the cross, that he buried, and he rose again to pay the price for my sin and to give me eternal life. And God, today, I will not settle for what my life used to be. God, today, I'm giving my life to you. Heads bowed and eyes closed, man. I'd love to pray for you if you made that decision to follow Jesus today. And you just say, Pastor Tim, with an uplifted hand, you say, I prayed that prayer today to trust in Jesus. If that's you, just slip your hand up anywhere in this place. Say, I prayed that prayer. Thank you also. Anyone else say, I prayed that prayer today? to trust in Jesus. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this minute. I thank you, God, for its leaders. I thank you, God, for the 13 years, God, that you've used Barefoot Church in this community, the the thousands of lives that have come to Christ because of it. And I pray, God, I pray, God, that you would light some fires in this place, that, God, you would challenge some hearts, that you would encourage people. God, you would speak over and into some people, God, in a way that they've they've never felt it before, but, God, that you would call them out and call them to a place God, a service and a place of sacrifice and a place of generosity, God, that they never thought they could do, but that they would trust you in every single way. And so, God, I pray for the years ahead of this church. God, don't let this church be settled. Don't let this church, God, become a church that turns inward. But, God, let this be a church that continues to focus on those who are weak and those who are sick and those who are injured and those who stray and those who are lost. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for its pastor. God, I pray that you would bless them grant them amazing favor. God, use them, God, to do incredible kingdom work. And we ask it in Jesus' name.